Good morning. It's good news. I just found out this morning I'm on the choir. I didn't know it was going to happen today. That's some good news. Never been a part of a choir, so this will be fun. Can I get a solo, Randy? Okay. Awesome. I'm hearing some no's out there. What's that mean? Awesome. Well, good morning, family. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, today we're going to jump into some stuff. Hopefully you got one of these as you were walking into the building. Let's get a couple things ready. If you guys want to stand with me, I would like to pray before we get started. In other words, stand up. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. And Father, I'm asking for the power of your word to fall in our midst, Lord, that we would all come underneath the authority of what you have spoken and what you are saying to us. Father, we are your church and we are your people. Your word says we're the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Let your truth reign in this place. Let this ministry, let us as a people be a pillar. Let us be the foundation of truth in our culture and in our society. Lord, would you illuminate your word? Would you give us understanding? We come and ask for your help. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. Would you come and speak today? We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you guys want to go ahead and get your Bible open to Joshua chapter 5. If you want to put a title to all of this this morning, it's actually a question that I was pondering a few weeks ago. How should the church respond to national and international crises? Okay, this is a mouthful this morning. I'm going to try to sum it up. I won't get into some super deep details about things because we could talk about a lot of different things, but how should the church respond to national and international crises? You could even say local crises as well. The truth is the church should have some type of response. The church should have something to say, something to do, but in my perspective, for the most part, it seems like we get something happens and we just kind of react to it, and we just kind of have to kind of pick up and go as however fits, and whatever you think is best, you do that, and whatever I think is best, I'll do that, and maybe we part ways, maybe we don't, but for the most part, it just seems like, seems like we're not ready, seems like we're not prepared. That we all have our own ideas, and I'm hoping maybe you have some of mine or you hope I have some of yours, but maybe this morning I want to maybe bring some synchronization to, the, to us as a body and how we are going to respond moving ahead. So maybe in the future I'll reference this. We're called to stand up. That's going to be our acronym this morning, and we're going to go through it. But when you think about over the past couple of years with COVID and the vaccine, how did the church respond? How did you respond? 
It feels like most of it was just kind of everybody do their own thing. When you think about the presidential race, like every four years, here we go. Everyone buckle in because it's going to get crazy, and we're just all going to do whatever we think is best in our own eyes. Think about when we withdrew our troops from Afghanistan. What was the church's response? For the most part, we just kind of do our own thing. Or even with Russia and Ukraine, how should the church respond to that situation? In my view, it feels like for the most part, we're in fear, we're stunned and disoriented. We maybe just get silent and we just hide until things get better. We point the finger. We start blaming this person, that person. We get offended. We get opinionated. We get angry. We blow up social media with all of our thoughts and opinions. But think about that. In the past couple of years, how much of this swirl has gone on in our, in our nation and on the earth, and everyone just kind of bleh. And it feels like, for the most part, most part, the church is involved in just that bleh kind of response. And so this morning, I'm hoping to bring clarity to us, that we can actually be the body and be the church and respond with precision, with clarity, and with confidence. Amen. This is going to require us to maybe get ahead a little bit instead of always being the last person to find out something. So open up to Joshua chapter 5. Before we get into our acronym here, I want to highlight a really huge principle that the Father lives by. One of the things that I see often is when it comes to crises, we so easily fall into the trap of just picking a side. We just choose this side or that side. For example... Racial tension, we just choose one side or we choose the other. Russia and Afghanistan, we choose, or sorry, Russia and Ukraine, you choose one side or you choose the other. In Joshua 5, starting at verse 13, I believe the Lord is trying to speak to us through this passage. So Moses had just passed away. He hands the baton to Joshua. They cross over the Jordan, and they're approaching Jericho. And they're readying their, themselves for a battle. In verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's read it one more time. Verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua 
was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? So he said to him, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And Joshua did so. When Joshua encountered the Lord, this is a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Joshua. He asked the question, Lord, are you for us or are you against us? The modern translation of that today would be, Lord, are you for the white people or are you for the black people? Lord, are you for the vaccine or are you not for the vaccine? Lord, are you for Russia or are you for Ukraine? Lord, are you for America or are you not for America? That's the modern day translation. But what's interesting is the Lord's response. What's he say? No. By responding no to Joshua's question, the Lord is communicating that there is a bigger battle at hand. We must come to understand that our God is not as concerned with our enemies as much as he is concerned with his enemies. I may have my enemies, you may have yours, but do we see that God has his enemies? And this is serious business. The question Joshua asked the Lord is actually the question the Lord is asking his people and the nations of the earth. Church, are you for me or are you for yourself or are you for your adversaries? Oh, nations, hear the Lord. Are you for me? Are you for yourself as a nation or are you for your adversaries? Joshua thought he was asking a question, but really the Lord is asking a question. Who are you for? We have to remember when God from his throne looks upon the earth, he sees two kinds of people. He sees his friends and he sees his foes. He looks upon Russia and he sees friends and he sees foes. He looks in Ukraine. He sees friends. He sees foes. He looks at America, friends and foes. He looks at those who are vaccinated. There's friends and there's foes. Are you guys tracking with me? In Psalm 110, it's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. Psalm 110, you don't have to go there. It's the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. So the New Testament quotes this psalm the most. And the specific verse that's quoted the most is verse 1. 
And it says this, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. In other words, it says, the Lord, Yahweh, says to Adonai, which is translated Lord, sit down on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Think about the Father telling Jesus, Jesus, I know the church gets a little lost sometimes and just wants to pick and choose a side, but do they realize I'm going to take all of your enemies and set all my dominoes up in a row and they'll all be at your footstool? Psalm 2, listen to what this says. Why do the nations rage and all the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. You shall, and he goes on to say, talking about Jesus, he'll set him on his uh, holy hill. And he says, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. So Joshua catches a small picture of that there's a really bigger issue at hand here than my little enemies in my life. God is coming to deal with nations. He's coming to deal with people groups. And this is where we need to make sure we're for the Lord and not against him. We need to make sure we're not getting in the way of what he wants to do and the judgment he wants to release. So before we go pick and choose this side or that side, our priority is to make sure we're on his side. A lot of these things are really tricky and really difficult to handle. For, it's like raising kids. You hear they're, they're fighting in the room and you go in there like, okay, who started it? You're never going to know. He said that. No, he said that. There was instigating. And Jesus says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be little wars, and it's like raising children. It's, there's instigation. One nation will instigate against the other. And, uh. So for us, it's hard to see. It's hard to get to the root of some issues. But if we remember, the Father has friends and he has foes. And according to his word, he is going to deal with his foes. Go to Isaiah 40 with me real quick. Keep your place there in Joshua 5. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, 
in his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Who has measured the water? This is the Lord. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. He weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or, who, or his counselor or who has taught him as a counselor? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor its beasts sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing. And they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. Verse 21, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth, when he will also blow on them, and they will wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom, then, will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, bring who brings out their host by number. He calls them by all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my claim is just passed over by God? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable? Do we believe that the Father has everything under his control? He says the nations are a drop in the bucket. In other words, these things can be really, really overwhelming to all of us. But to him, it's pretty much underwhelming. So when it comes for me, I'm on team Jesus. The principle in Joshua 5, the father is saying, Joshua, I'm on team Jesus. Whose team are you on? So when it comes to the vaccine, white people, black people, Republican, Democratic, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, whatever situations come, I am on team Jesus. And if that puts me against whoever, then so be it. God's church must prioritize God's agenda. God's church is to get behind God's decisions. The allegiance of the church belongs to the Lord first and foremost. Somebody just said, say that. Was that Mick? Oh, that was Lisa. 
I'll read it again. When it comes to the vaccine, white people, black people, Republican, Democratic, Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, America, whatever. I am on team Jesus. And if that puts me against whoever, then so be it. God's church must prioritize God's agenda. God's church is to get behind God's decisions. The allegiance of the church belongs to the Lord first and foremost. I mean that. I find myself in a pickle sometimes. My dad's black, my mom's white. So racial tension kind of springs up, and it's like, well, hey, Brandon, whose side are you on? (laughs) Well said. So look at verse 14 in Joshua 5. So the Lord says, no, I'm not answering your question. And then Joshua, he realizes what happens. He's like, oh, wait, I thought I was a commander. I'm speaking to the commander. And it says, he responds and he worships and he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? He didn't start offering opinions or, hey, you you should do this. Did you see what's going on? No, no. What does the Lord say to his servant? Joshua realized, and I'm hoping we realize, our citizenship is in heaven. That we're pilgrims, we're sojourners on this earth. Our alliance is to the Lord. And whatever he says, we do. I know in America, if we don't like what the president does or whatever, we can talk back and we can just, you know, I disagree. But in the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I would encourage you not to do that. If you don't like what God is doing, I would encourage you just to maybe keep quiet just for a little bit longer. Don't voice back to him, God, I don't think you're doing well. I don't like what you're doing. No, he knows what he's doing. Do we need to read Isaiah 40 once again? So, Joel Richardson, he's a, he leads a, a, a ministry in the Middle East. He says this, and he's talking about I was listening to to a video. He's talking about the issue of of Russia and Ukraine, and he's trying to speak into it. And here's what he says. As Christians, our primary job right now is not to try and choose teams. There is an element of standing for what seems to be more righteous, and that's good. But our primary focus right now should not be on trying to figure out who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. Our primary focus as believers should be walking in a manner worthy of the calling that the Lord has placed on us. Our primary focus should be on walking righteously in an age of confusion and chaos, of hatred and bloodshed, because it's going to get a lot worse. We think that the last days are going to be this neat, clean period where we can say, this is the right side, this is the bad side. 
No, it's not going to become more, no, it's going to become more messy, more chaotic, more confusing, more bloody. And we have to have clarity that our job is not primarily about choosing a political side or whatever options come. Our job is primarily about asking the Lord how we can walk worthy before him. Team Jesus. Now, I'm not saying we're not going to get involved and pray for specific things and specific sides and all that stuff. We're going to do that. We've been doing that. Praise God. I love that stuff. But what I'm saying is this. Being on Team Jesus is priority over you choosing a side. And as a church, we need to make sure we actually do that, and that's real, that our citizenship lies in heaven. That's the, that's the citizenship that really matters, the one in heaven. Okay. This right here. Guiding principles when navigating national and international crises. As the church, we are called to stand up. We are not called to hide. We are not, we're not called just to be quiet. We are not called to cower and be afraid. We should actually be courageous. We should be confident. And we should have a little bit of clarity on what is going on and what the Lord wants us to do. So the first one, S, stands for slow to speak, quick to listen. That comes out of James 1. Chapter 1, verse 19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's amazing how much chatter happens when a crisis occurs. Everyone's talking. Everyone has opinions. But is anyone listening? Can anyone hear what the Lord is saying? It's probably one of the more difficult times to hear the Lord when there's a crisis. Why? Because you're reading what everyone else is saying, you're listening to what everyone else is saying, or you're just saying what you want to say. But do we actually sit with the Lord and get quiet and listen to him? Can we hear from him in crisis? Some of us can. Some of us get so overwhelmed with the situation that our spiritual ears are clogged and we can't hear. If that's you... I want to encourage you to close this. Maybe even close these and quit looking at social media and sit with the Lord. Say that. I like when people say, say that. That's a good group. Guys, we need to hear from the Lord. Guys, we need to be a people of wisdom and understanding, not fear and confusion. And we're just like, ugh. I mean, sometimes we look just like the world. It's just as crazy in here as it is out there. We should be a people of understanding. And here's the beauty of it. James chapter 1, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what's it say? Just ask. Is anyone asking for wisdom when there's crisis? Just ask for wisdom. Proverbs 5 says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom and lend Or bow your ear to my understanding. 
The Father is so willing to give his church wisdom and understanding, but we need to bend our ear to him and not to the culture or not to your best friend or to whoever. From him. And guys, and I'm all for, personally, I'm all for, I have certain leaders that I kind of follow and look up to. I'm definitely into hearing what they have to say. But you know what? That's not even priority. You need to hear the Lord for yourself and how he's instructing you to lead your family. Don't, Brandon, give me your wisdom on how to lead my family. No, you get the wisdom to lead your family. And I'm going to do my part. Daniel 11 talks about men of understanding who can instruct many. I want to be one of those. Actually carrying wisdom and understanding that I can actually give some instruction. Actually help lead and gather and move us together versus like it's just all crazy. T, Matt, you told me not to talk about basketball. Guys, this is March Madness, y'all. I got to talk. All right. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. There's, there's nothing like watching college basketball at this time. Matt, you said amen. Guys, there's something beautiful about sports that I've learned over the years is that Sports has taught me how to work well with others. Some of the people, and it may be you, I'm not trying to slam you, but if you've never played a sport growing up, you might be one of the most difficult persons to work with. I'm just saying. I ain't trying to slam you, but you might be like, okay. But like watch, for me, watching sports, watching the ball movement, and players work together, and one guy just like dives on the floor to get the ball to pass it to his team, and they, sco- they go score a layup, and, and no one gave him a high five for diving on the floor, but the team celebrates together. It's not about one person doing it all. There's a team, like they flow and function together. There's different graces and giftings and abilities and talents, and this guy here is really good at dunking on people. This one here can really pass it. Like, shouldn't, how much more should the body of Christ be able to flow and work together and do some of these things? Like, I'm just like, if I could work with people who are not saved and they could actually give up their agenda for the betterment of the team and work together, and then I come in church and we got all these saved people who are spirit-filled, who are selfless, and like we can't even do what I was doing over there. And I'm just like, what in the world? It don't make no sense. But if we can, as a church, get some synergy together, lean into one another. Come telling you, when crisis hits, my coach would always say, don't get to the big dance and do a different dance. What he's talking about is that in the regular season, you know, you practice hard, you do the drills, and then, you, you know, you have games and you do well. And all of a sudden, you get to the NCAA tournament, and you start feeling a little bit of pressure. It's amazing what pressure would do to people. It is amazing. All of a sudden, you get a little pressure. Like we had one guy on our team. I could tell when he felt under pressure because he would just throw the shot. He would just shoot it. He just jack it up there. And I'm like, wait, 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 what are you doing? Like, you've done the whole game, and you do it with, like, you know, 20 seconds on the clock at the end of the game. Guys, pressure does something to you. It actually reveals what's already on the inside. It just finally comes out. But the Bible says a brother was born for adversity. 
If you're my brother and you're my sister, you were born for my adversity, and I was born for yours, and we shouldn't crumble under the pressure. We'd always say, too, pressure busts pipes. Whenever someone can't handle a pressurized moment, it means the, the internals all blow up. Can't handle it. Guys, that should not be so in the church. Guys, we were born for moments like this. Teamwork makes the dream work. A. Act in the spirit. My grandma, her translation said, <clears throat> act like you got some sense. <laughs> you know, as you be in a store and grandma's walking, you follow behind her and like you just touch all the clothes in the aisle. And, just, <laughs> and she'd turn around like, act like you got some sense. you like. <laughs> she'd do it all the time. Act like you got some. Guys, act in the spirit. Some of y'all don't be acting saved when there's crisis. Y'all just be going crazy. And all of a sudden, like, someone so you get on Facebook, and I read your little post, and I'm like, dang, I didn't know that was in them. <laughs> like, <that> was... <sighs> Some of y'all, I'm just going to start texting you. Where's my phone at? I'm like, hey, what do you mean by this, this post? Act in the spirit. I give you permission as a body to call, call, let's call each other out if we start acting in the flesh. If someone posts something on Facebook, I encourage this too. If, if, if you know someone and they post something on Facebook and it, or social media, whatever, and like you don't agree, how about you text them instead of putting on there publicly for the world to see how you disagree and don't like, text them. You know, it actually, it actually takes courage to text them personally. You're copying out by posting on, on the little thread there. And then when you see them, you'll be like, hey. You will not act, right? You get, it's awkward. Just text them. Say, hey, man, I love you. You know I love you as a brother, but hey, man, you posted this or whatever. Like, what do you mean by that? Text them. We got to get better at conflict resolution. There's a book. Y'all need to read it. It's called If You Bite and Devour One Another, Biblical Principles for Handling Conflict. Y'all pick it up. Y'all need to read it. Let's read it. I read it. It's extremely helpful. Right? Act in the spirit. The, what's the fruit of the spirit? Love. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Okay, you guys, spirit-filled, raise your hand. Got the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's how you should respond in crisis. When you feel the squeeze and the pressure, that should come out of you. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, the, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Also, too, guys, when there's crisis, crisis presents a perfect opportunity for you to shine for Jesus in the workplace. When people are afraid and don't know what to do, it's the perfect time for you to walk in there with the peace of Jesus and just the love of God just flowing off of you and just patience and kindness and you're ready and they're ready to bite your head off, but you're like, you know what, it's the perfect time to do it. But guess what? You're in the flesh. They're in the flesh. 
It's all flesh. Nothing good is going to happen. Anyways, okay. N stands for not troubled or afraid. Jesus says in Matthew 24, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. News alert, church. Jesus said there would be wars. Wars are coming. Why are we troubled when they come? He just said it. Don't be troubled. Luke 21, he says, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from the fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of the heavens will be shaken. But Thank God, he said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You will see wars and hear of rumors of wars. Heck, you may be in the war, literally. But the same rule still applies. I give you my peace. We all know 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of what? But of Power, love, the sound mind. I mean, are we actually rooted in that? That's what crisis reveals, what you're really rooted in. Are you really rooted in the power of God, the love of God, the soundness of God? We should be. So in the midst of crisis, it's okay for our heart to be tender. It's okay to weep about wars. Like we shouldn't be celebrating and, and, you know, just, ha-ha, sorry for you. No, it's okay for a tender heart, but we shouldn't be troubled. It's okay to carry a burden for some things, but you should not be weighed down. Moving on here. D stands for declare the gospel. crazy how many messages and how many stuff we start saying when crisis hits. I mean, we, we talk about everything except the gospel. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to people at work about everything. That was crazy, man. President, wow. <laughs> Dang, I was used to that war over there, man. Did you hear about this? And, but we will. Can I tell you, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but when there's crisis, when there's nation against nation, when there's big issues going on, that's actually a really, really good time to share the gospel. Because when everything's perfect and life is great and people are fine, people aren't open to the gospel. Life is great. But when they're in fear, when they don't know what's going on, but we as a people of understanding and wisdom, we can actually speak to them a little bit about what's going on. I had an old teammate, one of his... um, his kids had passed away, and so this was a couple, this was about a month or so ago, and so I um, called one of my buddies, and we actually drove up there together to go to the funeral, and we're talking in the car, 
and he's not saved, but we're talking in the car, and we talk about everything. Like he's one of those, he's one of my, my friends I played basketball with in college. We talk about everything um, from A to Z. And he was talking about, yeah, you know, I voted for Biden, you know, I had this issue, that issue, and I'm just listening to him. And then he would start talking about um, what was going on. I forgot what exactly had just happened around the world. But I went on to say, I, I said something along the lines of, yeah, man, this is all happening because the Lord said it would before he returns. And he looks at me and he says, he's like, can, can you talk about that? Like, what do you mean by that? And I said, what exactly? He's like, like Jesus returning, what do you mean by that? And I said, oh, yeah. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay. I was like, I had a moment like, okay, do I get into Revelation and the beast and the, uh, and, uh, like, like uh, I don't go that route. But I was like, I know Matthew 24. Okay, Jesus, I was like, hey, I, so I was like, hey, I said, Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be conflict between nations and within nations, and it's going to be crazy. There's going to be clashing. There's going to be fighting and all of these things. And I said, but Jesus said they would happen. And he kind of looks at me, and, like, he's driving the car, and he's like, he looks at me, and he's like, whoa, like, that's powerful. Like, it, 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 I looked at him as he's driving, and I'm hoping he don't pull, <laughs> kill us. But, like, I could tell the Lord kind of, like, landed on him in that moment. Because it kind of made sense, like, oh. And he was, here's what he was talking about. He was talking about, he feels like our nation is crumbling from the inside out. And this is a non-believer. He's telling me that. And I'm like, yeah, man, every nation is going to do that. And so I was able to speak a little bit of understanding to him and declare the gospel, the Lord is returning back for his church. And so we've been kind of texting back and forth, but it was a powerful moment just to declare the gospel. And I didn't have to get into Revelation and the beast and all this kind of crazy stuff. Because he would have been like, what? you really crazy. <laughs> But Philippians chapter 1 talks about a striving together for the faith of the gospel. Guys, we're striving together not for who we think should be president. We're not striving together for who we think should win this battle and that battle. We're striving together for the faith of the gospel. That is the duty and responsibility of the church. who is the pillar, the foundation of the truth. U stands for utilize our resources. Utilize our resources. So as all of these things are happening all over the world, I encourage you to get connected with other ministries who are helping this people group and that people group and this nation and that nation. We're not going to be able to do everything here at Hot FM. But when you, if you know someone who's connected to certain things, do it. Be a part of it. So financially into those things. We're going to keep doing the best that we can. But we can't be involved in everything that's going on out there. There's a lot. But if you know someone, I just want to encourage you to, to sow into them. Utilize your resources. And the last one. P. 
All right, look at the, look at the ones we have on your paper. Which one do you, what do you think this one is? Pray. Mama Marie would have killed me if I wouldn't have said this last one, pray. She would have shot me from her chair. <laughs> but here's the thing. P stands for this, though. Pray according to the word. Okay? Sometimes we be praying stuff, and I'm like, what are you, what are you praying? Right? When I'm in crisis, when I'm in conflict in my life, I, right now I'm going on record. I'm asking you to pray for me according to the word of God. Don't pray for me according to your feelings. I appreciate your heart and your feelings coming out in prayer. And that's okay. It happens. I do it too. But can we pray according to the word? Because there are going to be times when we're called to suffer. Okay, Peter talks about this. He's like, when you suffer, why you think it's some strange thing? He actually tells them to rejoice. And he's like, blessed are you. Because the spirit of God and the spirit of glory rest upon you. So sometimes when we pray people out of their persecution, we're praying them out of the glory of God, the Spirit of God. I know in America we don't want to suffer and we see other nations suffer and like our heart goes out to them. And it should. But what if the, what if the Lord is saying, yes, I want the church in Ukraine, I want them to go through some stuff. So what do we pray? Pray, Lord, just get them out, Lord. What if we said, Lord, I pray they're suffering. Lord, give them your spirit of glory. Rest on them in power. God, bless them. Cause them to rejoice. Because one day when we have to suffer, I want that prayer for me. I don't want this like, oh, Brandon, so sorry, Brandon. I just, you know, life is hard. I don't want that kind of prayer. Because when I stand with the Lord, I want to be able to say, Lord, it was worth it. It was worth the pain and the suffering. I know I wanted to get out. I honestly was like, I was done. I was tired of suffering. But, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful, Lord, that the people at Heart of the Father prayed me through suffering in a biblical way. Romans 8 talks about how the Spirit helps us in our weakness in the place of prayer. We're weak in prayer. It also goes on to say we don't even know what to pray. Stay connected with the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you on what to pray versus you just get a machine gun and just try to cover all your bases about everything. That's a lot of, that's, no, let's be specific, pinpoint clarity in our praying, specific prayers. I believe it is God's desire that we would have the courage the confidence, the clarity to stand up for his name and his kingdom in the coming hours of crisis. One man said this, it will never be easier to stand for the truth than it is right now. It will never be easier to stand for the truth than it is right now. That is because the resistance against the truth of God will grow stronger and stronger in the coming years.
But church, my prayer is that we would stand up and be found faithful to him, to his kingdom, to his people, so that when he appears in all of his glory, we will not be found ashamed. We will be found ready. When crisis hits, that is the time for us, hopefully to have already been standing, but to stand up and shine for Jesus, to represent his name, his kingdom, his glory.